I am excited to announce that we have partnered with the Outdoorsman's in Fountain Hills, Arizona. They can provide all of your optics needs along with some of the best machine tripods and mounting accessories in the business. Swarovski, Zeiss, Leica, Leupold, binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, you name it. They can provide it and at the industry's most competitive prices. They are offering our listeners an exclusive offer on all outdoorsman's manufactured products such as packs, tripods, tripod heads, and other gear they manufacture. At checkout, type in the discount code RNA15, that is RNA15, and you will receive a one-time 15% off your order. Please go to outdoorsmans.com and use the discount code today. Thank you for the support. Where's the Justin squeaky? Yo, yo, Justin yo. should be th- probably one, three, two. three or four. Justin, Justin. Justin Timberlake. Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Are you bringing three, sexy four. back? Let's go. <laughs> Are you bringing sexy back? Uh, dun, that's dun, my boy. Dun. Is that? Yeah. I heard you were getting down with the beebs on the right end. It was. Oh, Justin, we had it. We had Lucas, it going man. on. Lucas knows more songs than me. Yeah, but the little, I'm surprised he doesn't. Lucas know. is like a closet music. He addict. doesn't know that much. <laughs> it's because he drives a lot. Oh my goodness! Do you have that saved in your phone? Obviously, because we're on the top of a fucking mountain. Yeah, it's not like Pandora's working up here right now. Yeah. <laughs> that, my friends, is oh. Andy sicker than a dog. I've got coronavirus up here. At 9,000 and change feet. Oh, man. What's our elevation? We're at nine and change here at base camp. Nine and change? Yeah. I think it's 94. 94. Well, you know what? I got the technology. Let me tell you. 9,300 straight up. Straight up. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. My bad. 9,300 is our base camp down on the river. We are at 11,318 feet right here. So we were at 13,000 feet earlier. I think we were at <laughs> we were at close to 13. Actually, no, you're right. We were over 13. Yeah. Yeah, we were at 13.4. I remember you saying that. Yep. You're right. I was so confused when we did that recap later and you're like, no, we were at 12 and a half. I was like, what? It all runs into itself. Dude, it, when you're over 10,000 feet... It's... You're done. <laughs> That's... It just is what it is. And then you climb another 3,000 vertical. Ibex, Ibex, Ibex. Go, 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 go. You shoot. You shoot. <laughs> oh, my God. So, what? We're we're on day three on the mountain, day two of hunting, right? Yes. Day four total here with... Including a travel day, you could, you could argue day five. But we've hunted two days, and it's been rather... Rather taxing, a bit stressful, but pretty damn fun all at the same time. For sure. And I, I have a feeling when we look back 30 days from this hunt being over, we're going to look back at it in a much better light. Not that it's not in a great light. Like, first morning, I killed a, I, I missed an Ibex, and then I, I missed an Ibex at like 300 yards. Yeah. And then turned right around, chased him down, and then took a... How far was that? 500 shot? yard, 510. 510, 510 yard shot. adjusted, 
off of like 560 with the angle. So. Well, I'm laying down prone off of some fucking rock. Off a granite no rock. foothold. Yeah. <laughs> shooting, shooting positions, I would say, are not like we're sitting at a bench <laughs> at a range. Definitely, uh, definitely not ideal. But man, you made a you made a killer shot, and I mean it. When when you shot and the bullet hit that ibex, head went straight down right in the dirt. Oh yeah, he, he couldn't even get back up. I mean that was, and you you were textbook. I mean you threw another one in, and just in case you never know, you got to make a follow up shot. But yeah. there was no need to to do that on that ibex. But that was a great way to start off. Our, our first morning of the hunt. That miss, though, that miss was hard on me. Yeah. That miss was rough on me, man. Like, Well, and what did we learn from that shot? The first one? Because you shot line of distance with your rangefinder, right? Yeah, yeah. But that shot was probably 10 to 15 degrees incline. Uh-huh. So you probably roasted it right over his back. For sure. So where my mistake comes in is I am so used to my Leopold rangefinder that I've used forever always incorporating angle yeah and then switching to these binos and not having anything incorporated yeah whatsoever so it's for me it's so second nature after how many ever years of using it yeah that i didn't even think twice about it what it's a good topic to kind of talk about because rarely have we had any opportunity where our shots have been flat now my my abex today was relatively flat but all the other shots that we've looked at, even when we were sitting on the mountain today, yeah. we were range finding up probably at least 15 degree type, um, you know, angles. So, you know, it's just a good lesson to learn. I mean, if you shoot uphill or downhill, it doesn't matter. Gravity has the same pull on the bullet or the arrow, whether it's uphill or downhill. You know, if your line of sight shoot it at 60 yards, it's probably going to be adjusted down based on, you know, the angle that you're shooting at. So just a good lesson to learn. Um, but... You fixed it, you corrected it, and an hour later, I smoked yeah. him at 500. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I felt pretty good about that. I felt redeemed. Yeah. Funny how that happens. Yeah. The elevation, too. I mean, the elevation definitely, I feel like, shooting a little bit higher. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the analogy I use is why Coors Field in Denver has the most home runs of any baseball park in the world and that's because they're out over a mile high yeah and the balls just carry like crazy there it's the same thing it's the same logic when you think about how elevation affects a bullet it's the exact same thing so i do want to pause and say one thing yeah i wish everyone could look and see what we're looking at right now the unfortunate part of a podcast is is you can't see us three goons sitting here with four days without a shave stinky but the sight we're looking at right now is just pretty stinking incredible i mean just looking down a canyon steep cut and then we're looking out into a freaking snow top mountain that's just incredible yeah well and and two when you were riding up this canyon two days ago Mm -hmm. right when you came through this v-cut you had 25 ibex up the hill on your right yeah yeah yeah, we... Uh, it's fucking so rad. We spotted him. I, I didn't. Uh, my lead my lead guide who was leading me up the hill on the horse, he spotted him. And there were... Yeah, they were just spread. We're literally looking on the hill that they were on. And uh, the other cool thing about the ride up was all the deadheads and the stuff that we were seeing on the way up. Yeah. I mean, crazy how many of these Ibex probably get swept through avalanches or rock slides and die, you know, yeah. and end up in and these chutes. down these, yeah. Yep. <coughs> 
Or with the snow belt. How about that glacier? Yeah. Like, I almost hiked all the way to it yesterday. That was crazy, <sighs> just seeing how it's formed and how it kind of solidifies the ice. and How deep it is? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that thing has to be 50 or 60 feet deep. It's pretty crazy. We've seen a ton of crazy stuff. I mean, I guess when you're at 13,000 feet, there's a lot of stuff you see there that you don't see when us flatlanders live at, you know, sea level up to a few thousand feet, so. Yeah. Well, and, and we're definitely finding out right now there's, I mean, you trained harder than Justin and I for sure, but you having your sheep hunt prior to this definitely tuned you yeah. very well. I mean, I've never really heard of anyone being able to keep up with the guides from anybody that I've ever talked to about hunting up here. And you're like literally on their fucking heels <laughs> every step of the way. I'm like way, I'm like a hundred yards, not a hundred yards, yeah. but I'm like a, a solid 50 yards back. Yeah. It's rough, dude. I've always said, if you don't like this gear, you won't like the next one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Cause I've got a few more gears, but I quite honestly, I mean, I don't know. I, there's something about just mountain toughness, whether you're in Montana at 5,000 feet or up here. I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's hard on yeah. your body. But I've always told myself, if I tell my brain that I know that I got to climb to the top of that, I'm going to climb to the top of it. And yeah. if I'm telling myself, oh, my blisters hurt, my leg hurts, it makes it tougher for me. So I always try to mentally prepare, prepare myself for, for, I mean, tomorrow I'm already mentally preparing myself to say, you know, we're probably going to have to climb 3,000 feet tomorrow. Like, it's probably just going to yeah, happen, came on, right? And that's, I think that's just part of every day. And, and look what we've done. I mean, everywhere I've gone, you've gone. And just because yeah. you can't get there. I just pull in a little bit behind you. But I just go, like, for me, I could be trying to keep up, and I could be trying to stay on everybody's heels, and I could murder myself. Yeah. Or I could just kind of, you know, take it easy, go at my pace. And yep. What works for me, and I'm going to catch up, and that's yeah. totally fine. And well, I tell you, one guy I've been impressed with is is Mr. Justin over there. Dude. He's uh, carrying a. What, what do you think your pack weighs? Sixty pounds. No, not sixty. It's probably thirty five, forty max. But it's uh, with cameras no, on your chest, with camera gear, so and a tripod in your hand. And yep, yep. It's been uh, it's been tough. I would say this is probably close to the uh, most difficult hunt I've been on. Yeah. Just oh, this is the most difficult hunt I've been on. I'm yeah, honest. and. So let's think about that. Do you, do you guys think it's more physically demanding or is it more of a mental game for you guys? Where are you guys at with this type of hunt? Right now, for me, it's mental. And it's all because of language barrier. And that has, like, uh, when I took my first shot. Uh-huh. Um, and, I'll, and I'll bounce back to that one because that was the first real difficult. Yeah, situation you were in, situation right? Situation. And, and, you know, you and I have already discussed you know, we'll switch off who's ranging and who's shooting. And we got busted hiking and you're 50 yards behind us. I got us. caught up behind you. And you had to, everybody had to hit the deck. Yeah. And I rolled into this little hole and got set up. And the guy who's with me can't speak any English. All he keeps saying is big one, big one. Yeah. Shoot the shoot, big one. Shoot, big shoot, big like, yeah. Okay, there's 30 of them there's standing there, right? Ibex. All you see is and just bone. All big, dude. And it's all, yeah, it's all bone. Oh. And I'm, I'm sitting there and, and not having that, you know, like, because I'll be on the biggest one, what I think is the biggest one, and then they'll be like, the big one, the big one. Yeah. And it'll make me mentally 
yep. second guess myself. Yep. And then for I'll have sure. to come off my scope to look to see if there's a bigger one or like, you know what I mean? Some yeah. sort of adjustment. And I, I don't know if you had any of that similar experience with your shot that you took this morning. I did. We, uh, we worked up probably when they I don't kicked know. me out they're like you got to stay <laughs> maybe a mile up and and uh they just they had me go and Justin and I went with uh with the two guides and we crawled up on probably maybe a quarter mile of screen rock and we got to this huge boulder that's where we stopped and that's where the ibex were feeding there was probably 15 to 20ish probably I would say that yeah um and same situation you know, I'm trying to range and get the rifle set up as they're going big shoot, you know, big, big, big. And so what I had to do is I had to, I scanned every one of them through the scope. I looked at every single one of them and then made my call on which one I was going to shoot. And it, the one that I shot completely jumped out of me based on how dark coated it was and how much, you know, turn and the tips came all the way back around. And I ranged the first shot. It was 230 yards, adjusted, a slight adjustment. I racked one in, I shot, and I missed. And I, I don't know what happened. He was moving. They were starting to move out because they were starting to get a little nervous. So once I shot, of course, the jailbreak happened. And, of course, they're telling me, shoot, 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 right? So I put another one in. I shoot. I hit him back, slowed him down. Third shot, um, put one basically right in in front of the rear quarter as he was quartering away and blew out his neck. And uh, he went up the hill probably another 100 yards and just kept fighting it. Rolling down would get up, run up again, rolling down. And I never saw what happened because I was like literally shaking even after, right, Justin, you said, hey, let's do a quick recap. And I was like, I put my hand up and I was like <laughs> still shaking. Yeah. Because it is, it, it's so stressful because yeah. once they get you on them, there's 20 of them there and you're looking at every single one of them and every single one of them like okay they all look good and then one walks in front of another one and then another one goes here and then you see another one and you're like how often do you get the opportunity to shoot at 35 mule deer bucks standing there and figuring out which one right yeah. it's yeah. like there's a nice buck i'm gonna go kill him right mm -hmm. or there's a nice bull rarely do you ever get that opportunity so in this case we're like we're having to do the the field judging yeah and figuring out which one we're going to shoot and do the actual range finding too because your rifle is very dependent on having the right range yeah. you know up to probably 300 yards it's not a big deal but anyway it's it's high pressure high stress no it doubt is. as they're just jabbing and jabbing and you're like justin you saw it in me you're like i don't know what you guys are talking about like I know he's dead. I saw him, yeah. and they thought he didn't. They, they, <laughs> they thought, told you he didn't die. Yeah. No, they thought there was another one running yeah. up the hill. I'm like, no, like, he is done. I know that last shot filed him up, but anyway. With something that worked out really well for me on that second shot that I took yesterday was I was able to 100% tune out everybody except for what you were calling me. Yep. And that, for me, was so perfect because, I would, you know, I'm on my pack or on whatever pack I was on. And I'm laying there, and I'm just listening to your audibles. Yep. And everything else is just noise. It yep. doesn't really matter. And that's and that changed my entire shooting scenario. Well, and I tuned into Justin because Justin was ranging for me. Yeah. And once we hit the initial range, of course, then when they let they blew out, I started, I started turning the turret because I knew they were going, you know, at 25 yard increments. But you're right. You can tune out all that other white noise if you will <laughs> if i'm in there <laughs> saying okay it's 540 adjusted to 510 
let's turn your turret to 500 straight on. Okay, perfect. You know, and then I'm just continuing to tell you, okay, they're moving up a little bit. They're 512. So, you know, that that's invaluable on a hunt like this. Because if you don't have someone calling those ranges out on a shot like that, yeah. prime example, your first shot, right? I mean, you, you roasted one right over their back and, you know, they're just screaming bloody murder at you to shoot. And you're right. like, I don't know which one to shoot. Like, try not to freak out, but... No, we've both of us have made it happen. We both shot. Yeah, we both shot good billies, and we're sitting here in camp on basically day two of the hunt, and I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, knees are a little tight and legs are a little sore, but you know that's just a part of being up in the mountains. So yeah, I mean for me mostly my lungs. My lungs are really the only thing that's slowing me down. Yeah, which is kind of annoying, but I guess you really can't do anything to prepare for. And, like, no. the worst part is, too, is, like, like this morning, we ride, what, a 1,000 feet on horseback above camp. In the dark. In the dark. And then we hop <laughs> off horses in the dark, and then we hike another 1,000 or, you know, whatever. Probably, yeah, five to 700 feet-ish, maybe. Yeah. Up to where you shot, right? Yeah. And it's just, like, the, the only way to the Ibex is going up. There's no... F- there's, There's no, no shooting at the camp. <laughs> There's no flat. No. There's no, like... And the further up you get, the thinner the air gets very, very quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, What's amazing to me is you can be sitting there and you can look off in the distance two miles and you'll just see these little specks, right? And you look up in this little crevice on the top of the world and you see, like, three giant monarch billies standing yeah. there. Yeah. And they're just down there looking at you like, come and get me, guys. You know, it's crazy. I, I've never Ibex hunted before, but um, you know, this definitely gives me a different appreciation for, for this animal and the species and where they live yeah. and how they thrive and what they do is just incredible. Absolutely incredible. What do you think for you, Justin? What's been the, the worst, the mental or the physical? Um, I would say the mental for sure. Mental as in, for one, I don't know about you guys, but uh, the kind of the unknown as in the language barrier. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like Lucas has been talking about the whole trip, have trust in your guys, trust in your guides, follow them. But uh, almost for me, the unknown, if like where we're going in a sense, like are we going to the top of that hill, this hill, this hill? It's just yeah. like you're just kind of you're just kind of a second lead following along. Uh, yeah. And uh, Well, it's hard to mentally prepare, right? If I got to climb to the top of that, I got to be okay. Time to dig in, sure. right? Yeah. But if we're only going to that, like, okay, no that's different. Deal. But, like, I got might have to take a coat off if I got to go to there, right? Or br- break down a layer. So it, it is. That part is tough because you don't know if you're going to climb for the next two hours or climb for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know? But And that does make a difference. It does. It really does. And, you know, and, I, and I've always tried to apply that philosophy with a lot of these hunts is, you know, the guides, this is what they do. I, I don't know the area. I don't hunt here. You got to trust them. And, and I will say, they've put us on Ibex, right? Every day. They've Every put day us on Ibex. And, and so there, there's something to be said about that. But the frustrating part is, is when a plan, what we think is what we want to do, doesn't come together, we're all asking, okay, well, what happened? Did we do something? Where did they go? And then you just get like this or, you know, and you're just like... A hand signal. Okay. I'm, I'm done. I'm done here. <laughs> well, prime well, example. Prime example. We get back to camp tonight. Yeah, oh, I know. And you're like, all right, 
Are we done for the day? Or are we are we still going? At 4.30. And it seems like they're telling you that we're done for the day. And you get changed and get ready to, like, eat dinner and, yeah. you know, do your thing. And, uh... Yeah, so we eat. You guys start eating. Next thing you know, <laughs> the most savage of boots, the guys boots come on, up. Boots, yeah. <laughs> boots. Let's go kill a ibex. We're looking at the clock at five. Okay, the sun drops in two hours. How are we physically going to be able to do this? But the good thing about our guides are is they'll get on the horses. They'll go find the ibex for us, and I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with that for tonight for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I will say for the uh, for the language barrier, these guys are uh, pretty top notch. Yeah, I'd say they're on top of their game. They want us to kill. Yeah, there's do. no question. I mean, today we dump dump the ibex. Justin and I are just kind of hanging around it, like God, this is so sweet, right? Next thing you know, they're yelling at us, "Gun, gun, go shoot ibex up there." We're like, "Okay, like, can I relish in this moment for like at least five minutes?" No, you no, cannot. no. It's like go grab the gun go go it's like and i i appreciate that of them but i also want to tell them guys let's take let's take an hour let's do Slow this you know bit. yeah but they are they're just they go 100 miles a minute and you know i would rather have that than someone that doesn't even want to go and look right or yeah. i mean these guys are driven to find us good ibex and i i appreciate that i do it's just you know there's something to be said after you put an animal down. It's, there's kind of that coming down off of the adrenaline rush and the, you know, I always say a prayer over every animal that I harvest. There's certain things that just like ritually that I like to do, and I'm not raring to go and kill something again like in another 30 minutes after I've already harvested an animal. It's just not the way I've been. So anyway, not to decant from the conversation. Well, it's like when I walked up and we're kind of all just sitting around after everything. And I'm like, Justin, how you doing? And Justin's like, I'm stressed out, man. I don't even know why I'm stressed out, but I'm stressed out. Well, Justin had to, Justin sees all our experiences through his eyes. We're the ones in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But he's back, kind of back he's back five, 10 yards behind us, seeing and watching all this unfold. And I, I mean, I would probably feel the same way. I saw it happen to you too, right? Yeah. On your shot, Andy. So yeah. it's... It's like going to a car lot and getting pressured by a used car salesman. I hate high pressure sales. But I hate like four used car salesmen. I hate at it. Once. Yeah. Like, I know what I want to buy. That's what I want to buy. I don't need anything else. This is the one I want to buy. Period. Like, but you know it. But all in all, this place is incredible. I mean, you got to figure less than point oh 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 one percent of the world could do a hunt like this. Yeah. Physically or mentally, yeah. right? And for us to be here is just, I'm not certain I'd want to be anywhere else, but sitting here right now and just taking all this in, it's pretty awesome, pretty amazing place. Well, there's like moments when we're coming down the hill or when we're up on the top, you know, and we're on the spine of the mountain. And you look around and you can see mountains just across the valley that are taller by a long shot than what we're sitting on, you know, and it it's literally like we're sitting on the top of the world in Kyrgyzstan. Yeah. Just yeah. remarkable, well, unbelievable, beautiful, and breathtaking. Yeah. Well, yesterday when we got up high on that spine, uh-huh. I had uh, 
the guy that I've kind of been with, a short little Chinaman. Anyway, I was pointing and I said, Kazakhstan. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, China. And he points and there's like a peak. He said it in meters. I don't remember how tall it was, but it is tall. Yeah. And then he goes, China. And then he goes, Kazakhstan. And it was like, we're like right on the corner, on the border of both of those countries. And we are like in the eastern part of Kyrgyzstan. And I mean, to recap, flying into Bishkek and then spending 13 hours in a land cruiser driving. I mean, that, that just goes to show the logistics to get to a spot. What a wild-ass like ride. Let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> I'm going to just say this straight up. I had total FOMO in my drive. <laughs> we were in a car, this dead fucking silent. Yeah. The guy in the front seat kept falling asleep. The driver didn't really talk much. Chingy? The yeah. rapper? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like... Bleh. You know, swerving in and out of lanes. There's no divider line on any of the roads. The driving is bizarre. <laughs> Dude, we like pull out to psychotic. pass, and there's like a car coming, and I'm like, I like, okay, are we gonna make this? And like, and just pull right in. Like, Jesus. Well, our car, our car ride has been pretty. Our car ride is pretty fun. We had uh, Dalton and his wife, and uh, how cool. Just fun. Like, yeah. American music was playing. We were singing along. She was singing along. She was videoing with us. It was cool. It was fun. And they actually told us a lot about like, Bishkek <laughs> and the history about Bishkek. And oh, like, whoa, as we were really? driving, they were telling us about this is Karakul and this. And they told us about the big lake we drove by and how like some guy swam across it, Guinness Book of World Records. Like, yeah, we were having those conversations. Like, Kind of a little tour guide. It was, I mean, it made our ride, in my opinion, a lot better if you got to sit in a car for 13 hours, you know. Yeah. Um, but... You know, and, and to, to speak to that point, we, we came in with one other hunter um, from California. Mike. Uh, Big Mike Monroe. And uh, we got to hang out a day, really, and a half with him. And then he went off with another string of wranglers and guides. And then, uh, so we haven't heard from him. We don't know how he's done. We don't know. Hopefully he's, he's done or he's shot a good Ibex. But uh, we haven't heard how he's done, so... I'm uh, looking forward to coming off the mountain and seeing him and see how he did. Hopefully he's still there. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So what, we got three good days of hunting left. We each got one more Ibex to try to knock down. Saturday morning, maybe. Yeah. we've, We've covered a lot of country, and we haven't even covered a sliver. A sliver of country. It's just... It we is truly covered, amazing. Like a canyon and a half. You know when people say like, "Man, that's such big country." When I'm hunting, I'm like, "Okay, let's throw on your boots and then come in here." You want to talk about big country? Yeah. This is just this place will swallow you up, spit you out, man. And one thing I will say, in addition to not only elevation, but we've all done pretty well at at the elevation, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, Justin, I you were a little lightheaded first. Oh, yeah. first day, but. I, I mean, in general. That, was the, uh, that wasn't the worst of our uh, issues when we first got to camp. <laughs> no. Uh, maybe some. No. Uh, that was an interesting day. <laughs> oh. 24 hours. Yeah, let's just say don't mix airplane food with 26 hours of travel and then another 13 hours of travel and then a bunch of food you've never eaten. And you just, yeah, I'll have one of those and one of those. And it oh, looks like chicken. I'll have that. We, uh, we all were saying a prayer to the porcelain god for a day about a day <laughs> who was it jason price was like just don't eat the chicken don't eat the chicken 
And we got we to that one chicken. restaurant. What do I do? What was it called? Good food? Yeah, I, I think, think so. I think it was called good food. Best food or good food, yeah. Yeah, and we get there, and we walk by the food line, and it's like these huge chicken leg and thigh. Only thing we knew, right? Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get that big-ass chicken leg and thigh. Other than the big pink red rockets that were there. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoyed that one. Yeah. You got the breaded one, though. I did. It was really good on a stick. It was yeah. like a corn dog. I like corn dogs. Corn dogs are good. Corn dogs are good. Corn dogs are good. So predictions. I have fucking none. Yeah. Expectations. The dream. The dream. Tomorrow morning, we roll up, find Ibex, move on them, and we double up. That would... That would put a bow on this yeah. with our picture with two of them pointed together, big yeah. old beards, yeah. and swinging back, yeah. sitting on either side. I could kind of go for that. I could go for that. Yeah. I'm going to shoulder shoot whatever I see. I'm not going for vitals. No. I'm going to, I just, just want to break put their it front down. shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Just fold them up. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And that 28 nozzler, I tell you what, man, that the hole on that, that Ibex today was ridiculous for a copper bullet I've yeah. I'm not I've never seen I've seen burgers do that I've seen um, VLDs do that I've, I've never seen a Barnes bullet do what it did to yeah. that Ibex today that was super incredible Gunworks has it figured out dude. yeah I'm impressed it's a good good shooting gun it mm-hmm. really is it's I like the way it I like I like how it balances yeah big shout out to Dustin Whip. Whit, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Was it Whitwer? Whitmer. Yeah. For for sighting that end to 200 yards and fine-tuning it. Yeah. Epic. Epic. Well, Justin, what's going through your mind? You've taken some pretty... You think you've captured video photography like what you were thinking? Oh, yeah. It's... Uh it's been beyond my expectations for sure. I'm excited to uh, to share it all. Pull this thing together. Oh yeah, it's gonna be epic. Just yeah. the drive where we stopped and took photos in that little canyon, where like all the kind of the sheep herders were, and then mm-hmm. we got up on top and did the drone stuff. Like just thinking about all of this footage we have, and of course, you've gotten all the kill shots on video. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like. <laughs> It is absolutely ridiculous how cool this could could turn out. I mean, we've all seen it through our own eyes, but it'll be cool to relive it again, you know. It will. Through a camera. Yeah. Get to see the actual story develop. Yep. We are literally sitting next to a nice little creek running down. We've got rock outcroppings on either side. we got some badass QU tents set up, and we're just hanging out, literally just hanging out resting and ready to strap it on for another morning i will say if we're going to ride horses again in the dark i need to mentally prepare myself <laughs> for that because this morning was a bit of a crap shoot I'll, i'm going to tell you straight up right now yeah. i was not really liking that whole scenario but but it does save on our legs so it does i mean imagine what time we would have got up there if we would have just been hiking the whole time yeah we that shaved like an hour and a half off for us yeah well, now, these are these are good horses. I mean, they're small. Yeah, tiny. Especially that one, Justin. Mine's that one, Justin's sketchy, riding. 
keeps, things, uh, that, keeps wanting to take a face. That point. thing's like a pony. <laughs> we'll see. I'm very uneasy on horses, anyways. So yeah, they are my favorite thing. Yeah. Well, they've been they've been good to us so far. Nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. It's been nice sleeping in my tent. I really like that yeah. storm star. Yeah. <coughs> no, they're their money, no condensation. Unlike Justin's 1P. Yeah, I keep waking up to water dripping on my face. Did you again this morning? I did. Did oh, you shoot? Really? Yep, it's all wet in there. Are you sure it's condensation? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we won't go there. We have been hanging around each other a little bit long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Weather's been good, though. It hasn't been bad. No. It's yeah. 70s during the day. Yeah, it's been beautiful. Got yeah. fried today. Been real good. You know, a lot of guys come night. and do this hunt in November because they like when the Ibex get their full coats. But imagine doing this in two, three feet of snow. I mean, Jason's hunt was that way. Yeah. They slept on the mountain in this little <sighs> rock. It was like minus four degrees. His boots were frozen. Like, I don't mind it like this. No, this is nice. We're, and everyone says, well, if you go early, the billies are really high. And I'm like, okay, it is what it is. Yeah. You know? The billies are really high. That's for sure. You want to say hi? You want to say hi? No? Hi. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't want to America. talk. America. America. Yes. <laughs> this is in America. <laughs> Born in America. You. America. Hello. Uh-huh. Oh, Spartacus. Yeah. Language barrier. You. 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 Me. No, that's me. Yeah. The guides are pretty cool. They're fun. It's fun to... When you can actually joke with them and they get it, it's fun. Can we talk about their footwear for a second? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Not uncommon, Insane. though. Not uncommon to see these guys wearing muck insulated boots. muck boots. Floating across rocks that I've never seen. It's amazing to me that those don't cut on any of the rocks. That polyvinyl must be, I don't know, it's incredible. I And they're all in their 30s. I mean, these guys are our age, and they're just up here. You know, I, one of a couple of them have families. One guy told us he's at, he's got two boys and a girl, and you know, that's got to be a lot on a family to be up here, and you know, not at home. But this is probably a part of what they do in their livelihood. So, yeah. But all in all, beyond the language barrier, it's a cool experience, though, right? I mean, yeah. you kind of live in their culture and live in their world, and. You know, it does definitely make the hunt a little more stressful, but at the end of it, when your animal's down, they sure like it, too. Yeah. So. They were really happy about it. Well, gents. Should we wrap this one up? I'm sensing a little dead air. Yeah. That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Wrap it. Wrap it up. Like it's hot.
Hey listeners, this is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Check out our website at rnaoutdoors.com to find all of our podcast platforms. Go listen today where you podcast. Additionally, leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Instagram at Rod and Arrow Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and YouTube, RNA Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. We hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Subscribe today and follow along on the journey.